Let's go ahead and begin with a word of prayer. Father, you have spoken through this man to countless generations, Father. And we sit under your word at this moment and we pray and we ask and we beg and we long, God, that you would speak to us, that you would make yourself known to us and that you would convict us of our sin, that we would come and seek the sweet grace that we can find as we gaze upon your Son hanging on that cursed tree. God, I pray that you would transform our hearts during these these moments. Amen. Now there's something, you can look anywhere you want in the world, but there's only one place that you will find it. It's not in Russia. It's not in China. Go ahead and go to the East Coast. It's not in New York. Go to the West Coast. It's not in California. Go up high. It's not in California. No, my friends, it's in South Dakota. Of all places. If you want to see four massive faces etched in to the side of a mountain. Their eyes, their nose, their lips. It's all right there. If you want to see that, there's only one place in the whole world that you should go. Mount Rushmore. There's not much else. There's water. There's a store that sells water on the way. You see billboard after billboard 380 miles away. But there's only one place, Mount Rushmore. Same thing that we'll see here in our text today as we're going through Zephaniah. You are going to encounter something and see something that you are going to only find here. In the whole Scripture, you will only find it in these verses. Let's go to our text here. Zephaniah chapter 3, starting verse 14, 15, 16, and 17. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 14. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all of your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. Verse 17, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by His love. And He will exalt over you with loud singing. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. So you see in your bulletin, we have two points of a sermon. The first one, here we're going to see that God's children, God's children sing to God. God's children sing to God. Let's go back here to verse 14. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O 
Israel, rejoice and exalt with all of your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. And the command here could not be any more clear. It could not be any clearer that these people, they're to sing aloud, they're to shout, they're to rejoice, they're to exalt. And this command, it's greatly needed. Zephaniah, here you look in chapter 1, verse 1. Zephaniah prophesying during the days of Josiah. And the religious reforms, they're about to come, maybe five, ten years away, but they haven't come yet. And so the nation of Israel is still under this idolatry, as you see in these other, the rest of chapter 1. They're in this blatant idolatry and enraptured with this grotesque sin as they are before the Lord. And so the, God promises judgment right away. God's going to bring judgment on the people. And you see that in verse 2. He says, I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. And this is like a decreation of, of what's going on. This is how profound the judgment of God is. Verse 3, I will sweep away man and beast. I will sweep away the birds of the heavens of the fish of the sea. You see, going in the reverse order of creation of what's going on. The fish of the sea, the rubble of the wicked. I will cut off man Kind from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. And then go a little bit further in chapter 1, verse 15. You see that this day will be a day of wrath. It will be a day of distress. It will be ruin. It will be a day of darkness that God is going to bring. But it's not just upon Jerusalem and it's not just upon Judah. But no, this is to the whole world. All of the nations. You look to the west. And you see Gaza and Ashkelon and Ashdod and Ekron, these great Philistine cities lifted up. These cities of these plains lifted up in their own pride. Well, they're going to be deserted. Chapter 2, verse 4. They're going to become a place of desolation. They're going to be driven out at noon. And Ekron shall be uprooted. And that's to the west. Well, then you look to the east. Moab shall become like Sodom. The Ammonites, they will become like Gomorrah. Stay in chapter 2. Go down to verse 14. You see in the west they're going to have judgment. In the east they're going to have judgment. Down in the south, chapter 2, verse 14. You also, O Cushites, shall be slain by my sword. But then also to the north as well. Chapter 2, verse 13. And he will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria. And he will make Nineveh A desolation, a dry waste like the desert. The greatest city in the world at that time is going to come to ruin. Go ahead and turn the page. Go to chapter 3, verse 8. And he says, My decision is to gather all nations to assemble the kingdoms. Why? Why is he going to do this? Well, to pour out upon them my indignation and all my burning anger. For in the fire of my jealousy, all of the earth shall be consumed. So it's not just Judah and Jerusalem. It's not just these just the whole earth. The whole earth is going to be consumed. But it doesn't end there. Destruction is never, is never the last word. Go to the next verse. Chapter 3, verse 9. This fire, you see, is a fire of purification. For at that time, I will change the speech of the people's to a pure speech, that all of them may call upon the name of the Lord and serve Him 
with one accord. And it's in the midst of this, it's through this purifying fire that we get to our verse, chapter 3, verse 14. To sing aloud, O daughter of Zion, to shout, O Israel, rejoice and exult with all of your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. You will sing and rejoice in God. You will join this cosmic song of all of creation, singing and dancing and shouting out to the glory of God. You will partake in So we're going to look at this. Because of the work of God, the fact that He is, is his, his, create, uh, his character, what He does, His character, the fact that He is the Creator and that He's the Redeemer. Briefly, we're going to go through this. So it's the natural reaction for the people of God to rejoice in Him for what He has done. So God delivers the people through the Red Sea. Exodus chapter 15. How do they respond? They sing. They dance. They're overjoyed. Moses, it says, Moses and the people sing to God. That is their reaction. When God uses Deborah a lady, to deliver the people of Israel? How do they respond? Look in Judges 5. How do they respond? They respond by singing. The whole, the whole nation begins singing because God has delivered them. And then you go on to Exodus, or Isaiah 55. It's not just His people, but His creation. The mountains are going to be shouting and trees are clapping their hands at the revelation of who God is. But it's, that's not it. Keep going. Second Chronicles 29. When Hezekiah restores temple worship, all of the people, God is working in them, and the evidence that God is working in them is what? They're singing. They're rejoicing. They're gathering together around the temple to see God further reveal Himself. So when Mary is going to be told that she is going to give birth to the Messiah? How does she respond in the Magnificat? She sings, rejoices. And then when Christ is born in this lowly village in Bethlehem, likely born in a cave, the king of all kings, and what do the angels then do? The whole host of heaven come down and sing glory to God. Glory to God and the highest. Do you see the theme here of what is going on? And in this great day to come, keep turning in your Bibles and you get to Revelation 5. And if you're in Christ, you will be there. And John sees you there. And you will be singing. And you will be singing, chapter 5, verse 12, and the people of God were singing out with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. You, my friends, were made to sing and to worship. You were made to sing and to worship. So now, if we look at God's character, is it what? Is His love too shallow for you to sing? 
Is that why you're withholding back? Has He not shown you enough love? That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us? Is that not enough love? What about His holiness? Is it is it unstained? No, you see, in I, uh, Isaiah 6, they're gathered around the, the throne room, and they're what are they doing? The seraphim, the, the ones who are burning with the radiant glory of God, they're singing out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Well, what about His grace? Is it has it been withheld? Has it been withheld from you? No, 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 no. We know that everyone, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you ever been without Him? No. Wherever you go, you go to the most distant star, He will be there. The depths of the sea, He will be there. Go to the top of Everest, He is there. As you're weeping in your bed at night, He is there. David writes, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? So, okay. We see that it's not enough, maybe, that his work, what he's doing. You see, how do we respond with singing? Well, his character, his love, his grace, the fact that he's omnipresent, the fact that he's always there, is that not enough? Well, what about the fact that He is just the sovereign Creator? And this breath you are breathing right now is a gift of Him. Go to Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. It is He who made you. And we are His. We are the people, the sheep of His pasture. But there is more. That's not enough, my friend. There is more. So not just His work. It's not just who He is. It's not the fact that He is the sovereign Creator who has given you breath, life, right, uh, given you breath right now. No, you worship. Look in verse 15. Why do you worship? You worship because He is your Redeemer. Okay, so we sing aloud, we rejoice, and we exult. Why? Look in verse 15. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. The people of God, the people of Israel, were to worship God because He was their Redeemer. Remember, in in Revelation chapter 5, we are worshiping Christ as the Lamb who was slain. This is what's compelling the people on to worship. And this is the good news. You see, Zephaniah chapter 1, how is it that this God goes from judgment, judgment, one who we fear to now, one who we shout and we exalt and we sing to? This is the good news, my friend, that God is no longer a God of fear. But He's also the God of your delight. He's no longer just the God that you you ignore, that you place on the shelf with all of the other gods of success and sex and whatever idol you want. No, He is the 
solemn cries of which your heart is enraptured with. This, when you contemplate who God is, does it cause you to sing and erupt with joy, my friend? I pray. I hope it does. I hope it does. So let me ask you, why? Why do you worship? Is it because there's a massive Ecuadorian here and he tells you to stand up, so you stand up? And there's words on the screen, so okay, I'll sing those. Or are you compelled to rejoice because of the finished work of Christ that is being applied to your life? So don't worry about the style of music. Is it too fast or too slow? Are the lights are too bright in here or is it too dim? Don't worry about the fact that God thought it would be hilarious to put us in a middle school cafeteria just for his own delight. None of that matters. None of that matters. You can be in the middle of the desert and your worship should be enrapturous as it is right here. It doesn't matter, because you are singing because God has redeemed you. It's enough. You look in Revelation 5, again referencing that. It's enough for you to sing with delight for all of eternity. You are going to be singing because of the finished work of Christ. Surely it's enough this morning for you to sing and be enraptured with His love and His grace, His holiness, the fact that He is your Creator, the fact that He has redeemed you. It's enough, my friends, to cause you and to bring you to worship. So we've seen that the children of God sing to God. Now we're going to look in verses 16 and 17 and look there and you're going to see one of the most profound statements in all of Scripture. Look in verse 16. On that day it will be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. As many of you know, we have um, six children. And when each one is born, there's this unique, special attraction and bond that you have that is a little bit different than all of the others. And our, our youngest, Hadley, was born about a little over a year ago. And, and you're holding her and she's wrapped up and she's Perfect and beautiful. And we find ourselves, we're in the, in the hospital, and we are singing over her. Hey, beautiful girl, daddy loves you, loves you, most beautiful girl in the whole wide world. We are enraptured with her. Why? She has done nothing. Nothing. She's cried. That's it. She has done nothing up to that point to deserve this love, but you love her. You love your children because they are your children. 
Well, it's the same thing with God and His children, isn't it? He sings over His children and He sings over you if you are in Christ. Not because of anything that you've done. Get this through your head. It's not because of anything you've done, but it's because you are His child that He is singing over you. It's a beautiful thing. Do you see the parallels going on here? We, as God's children, are singing to Him and exalting in Him and rejoicing in Him through the finished work of Christ. And here is God rejoicing, singing, exalting over His children again through the finished work of Christ. So look at verse 17. You see that one, the Lord is in your midst. Right? And He rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love and He will exalt over you with loud singing. So we're going to look at those four very briefly. One, God is in your midst. This is a great treasure. The deepest desires of men and women are settled with this promise that God is in your midst. The transcendent God that is over all of creation, holding up the stars and watching them dance. The very God who is over Mount Sinai as it's trembling, the mountain is trembling in fear before God. This very God, who's transcendent and overall everything is imminent and He's close and, he, and your life is now sure. For it is in Him that we live and move and have our being. He is he's in our midst. And this is the antidote to all of your fears. We have a, a child who's afraid of the dark. We venture into the dark and then coming back. And then he'll grab your hand and you and him, you go walking into the darkness that he was just in, that he just fled. And he grabs your hand and he looks at you and says, Papa, I'll go with you anywhere. That's what God does when you realize he's in your midst. This is the comfort that the Heavenly Father will give to you. Okay, so He's in our midst. But He rejoices over you with gladness. Have you ever contemplated that? That God rejoices over you. Not begrudgingly, but He rejoices over you with gladness. What a, what a glorious thing. Throughout all of Scripture, it's, it's us singing to God, rejoicing to God. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous. Strive for joy, all you upright in heart. In Psalm 32, in the Philippians 4, Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Jesus, this is God's creation. Rejoicing in God. But here is God rejoicing over you. What a glorious thing. So he, he makes all of the world. And what does He say? God saw all that He made and it was very good. It's not His children. It's not His children. 
You can build a beautiful house and you it's very good. Because you know your children, you you see your children. They have so much to learn and so much to grow, but you hold them and you cherish them and you sing over them. This is what God is doing to you. Does He know all your imperfections? Yes, actually, better than you do. Is He antiquated with your your struggles of sin? Yes, He knows all about them. But again, He doesn't love you because of what you've done. He simply loves you through Christ. The fact that you are His son or daughter through Christ. And that cannot be taken away. As Christ said, it is finished. We need to be reminded of this. Every week, every day, every hour, that God loves you through His Son. And so it's not because of anything that you've done, but He loves you through His Son. And because of that, you are His own child. And because of that, we can rest. 1 John, John writes, See what kind of love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. Children of God. And so we are. Beloved, verse 2, chapter 3, we are God's children. This can be taken away. He will rejoice over you with singing, not because you're amazing, not because you volunteer a lot at work, or church, or anywhere else. Not because you're a supermom. That title doesn't matter. The fact that you're a son or daughter of God. That's what matters. Paul writes in Galatians 3, For you are all sons of God. How does this happen? Through faith in Jesus Christ. But how are you going to receive the Father's love unless you are His Son? That's the catch. It's through faith and through faith in Jesus Christ that we come up here, God, and we implore You, we beg of You to turn from your sin and become a child of God, become a daughter of God. Do not let this moment pass. Today is the day of salvation. Today, it says in Psalm 95, if if you hear His voice, which you hear right now through His Word, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. So here is your mighty God singing over you. He's in your midst. He will rejoice over you. And He will quiet you with His love. And this is the natural outflow of you realizing, I am a daughter of God. I am a son of God. You realize that there's nothing else for you to do. but Just rest. And rest in His love. You are the one who is wrapped up. And He's holding you safely in His arms and singing over you with pure delight. Not because of anything that you've done, but no, because you are His son or you are His daughter through Jesus Christ. And finally, you are able to rest now when you realize it's not about you and your own strivings to get back up to God, but it's through the work of Christ. Now you are able to rest. And sure, that the trials may vary and the paths might be different, but the end is secure. 
So we can rest in this. As Paul then writes in Romans 8, For I'm sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers of things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us, separate you from the love of Jesus, from the love of our Lord in Jesus Christ. My friend, He will quiet you with His love. Now finally, we see that He will exalt, exalt over you with singing, with loud singing. So if you want to see those four faces on a mountain, which is a good once-in-a-lifetime experience, I've been doing it multiple times, if you want to see that, there's one place to go, Mount Rushmore. If you want to see where God is singing over His children, meditate on this verse. Memorize this verse. Rehearse this verse to yourself. God is singing over you right now. This is a glorious and beautiful thing. In fact, this, this changes everything. We see in, in Jesus Christ His baptism and His transfiguration. We have the booming voice of the Father coming out. This is My Son with whom I am well pleased. And it's in this same vein that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are all singing over you. They're singing in harmony over their creation, over their church, which has been brought together by their redemption for their glory. Because they're so enraptured with love amongst themselves, it overflows into the love for their children. Do you not see this, my friend? God is singing over you and it's not because of you so you can simply receive it and delight in it. You don't have to worry about losing it because it's through Christ and it's through His work. You can't undo that. You can rest in it. You can receive it. You can enjoy it. You yourself can be enraptured in it. So then what do we do? We've already referenced these twice but we'll go through them again. So what do we do? How do we respond? One, we sing. The fact that God is singing over us compels us to sing. We sing. We gather together. The people of God gather together. We were made to sing. We were made to worship. What a delight that God has revealed Himself to us that we can worship Him. Finally, we rest. We rest. You can rest, my friends. Every other sermon, you're told, let's go from what was me to I was God. Let's do that. Or you're told, let's reflect the generosity of God in our giving. By the way, we have a budget. Surprise, you know. Or we're told to suffer well throughout these, I mean, how many... How many prophets must we go through to tell you, suffer well. Judgment is coming, but it's for God's glory. And you go, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suffer well. I'm going to suffer well. Or how many times going through uh, uh, Matthew where we told, bow your knee before the sovereign king. Which is true. It's in the text. We should do it. But this week, we come across this gem 
this sweet foretaste of heaven that we have in this verse and our proper responses to rest. To rest. And some of you, you're not just tired, you're weary. You're filled with anxiety to the point that you must medicate yourself. Where you toil away week after week, day after day, and deep down you know you're trying to please somebody. Oh yeah, I can I can give I can give the Sunday school answer. I know that Jesus died for my sins, rose on the third day. But deep down your striving and your toiling is to somehow work your way up to receive the Father's love. Or you want to be told, well done, good and faithful servant. And you think it's going to happen through your own works rather than through Christ and His work. And this is the natural inclination of all of our souls because we are all sons and daughters of Adam. And we think we can work our way back up to God, but you can't. But here... We can rest. Rest in God, knowing that He is singing over you this very moment, that He is singing over you. So set aside the anxiety and set aside the continual comparisons and set aside this striving to work and to please God. And rest. Rest in the safe arms of God. For He is fully delighted over you. Because you are His son. You are His daughter. And He is delighted. Can you hear it? Can you hear Him singing over you right now? Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Let's pray. Father, we, we are enraptured with You. God, thank You for sending Your Son that we, we don't have to work and strive. God, that we can rest and we can rejoice in the work of Your Son. And I pray that You would be with us now, God. Help us have a week of rest. God, give us a sweet foretaste of heaven. Let us know what the true promised land is like, God. Give us some rest. Give us peace in our souls. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen.